Hello, and welcome back for another episode of Money Talks 50 Plus. My name is Rebecca Pearl, and I am your host and program specialist for AARP Elder Watch. You've tuned in to Season 2, Episode 2. And before we get started, I just want to mention a little bit about the work AARP Elder Watch does in partnership with the Colorado Attorney General's Office. AARP Elder Watch provides fraud prevention education and financial security education to those over 50 throughout Colorado. We also have a volunteer staffed helpline for people who have questions about or think they may have been a victim of fraud or scam. If you have questions or believe you may have been a victim of a fraud or scam, give us a call at 800-222-4444, option number two. Today, I'm thrilled to have Dr. Jean Lundy with us. Dr. Jean Lundy recently retired after 31 years of teaching audiology and American Sign Language courses as an associate professor at Metropolitan State University of Denver. Since her retirement in 2018, she searched for the right volunteer position. Jean found what she was looking for in 2019 when she began training to be a fraud specialist. During training, she learned about many different scams, such as Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes scam. She learned the government imposters call people on the phone pretending to be from Social Security or other government agencies, and that business imposters pretend to be from Amazon or Microsoft. With her new knowledge, Jean began volunteering to be a phone resource for fraud and scam victims. She advises victims on the next steps they should take and where they should report the scam. When the COVID pandemic hit and the AARP office closed, AARP provided Jean with a cell phone, enabling her to work from home. So she continued returning phone calls from fraud and scam victims. Since April of 2020, Jean's records show she has advised 196 victims from home. In 2021, Jean received additional training, enabling her to facilitate peer support groups using a new program developed by AARP and the Volunteers of America. Jean has four sons she loves to visit and three adorable grandchildren under the age of seven. Jean, thank you so much for being here today. Appreciate you taking the time to join us on Money Talks 50 Plus and share a little bit about your experience at the Fraud Watch Network. Prior to volunteering with the Fraud Watch Network, what did you do? Well, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. I recently retired after 31 years of teaching audiology and American Sign Language courses as a tenured associate professor at Metropolitan State University of Denver. Since my retirement in 2018, I searched for the right volunteer position. First, I became a driver for American Cancer Society's Road to Recovery, a program where I took patients to and from their cancer treatments. At the same time, I took an oath to become a court-appointed special advocate, that's CASA volunteer. I met weekly with a teenager with autism and a preschooler with hearing loss, both of whom had been removed from their unsafe homes and placed in foster care. Every month, I then reported in court what I believe these children needed and how they were doing in their foster homes. That sounds like really meaningful work. Um, and how did you end up with us? How did you first get involved with the Fraud Watch Network? Well, I, I saw a help wanted sign in 2019. 
I can't recall now if it was on the AARP website or in an email sent to AARP members, but somehow I learned that our organization was looking to train volunteers to become scam specialists and to provide resources and next steps to people of all ages who had become fraud and scam victims. I emailed one of the Fraud Watch Network supervisors to express my interest and was invited to an informational meeting where I met you, Rebecca. I began volunteering shortly after. And we are so happy to have you. What is the most important thing you've learned through this volunteer experience so far? I've learned anyone can be a victim. If a scammer chooses a particular scam and presents it at a critical time, a man might be very attracted to a stranger on the phone promising him a big payout for very little investment. This investment fraud works for someone who's a risk taker and takes pride being able to recognize a great deal. That same scam won't attract a lonely middle-aged or older widow or divorced woman who wants someone to share her life with, but to a scammer, she's the perfect victim of a romance scam. Anyone who loves their teenage or older grandchildren can be convinced in a phone call that their upset and crying grandchild has been kidnapped. Grandpa, please provide the ransom or they'll kill me. Or has been un- arrested unfairly and be placed in a jail cell with hardened criminals. Grandma, I'm so scared. Please tell the jailer you'll provide bail money and get me out of here. Or a victim may not even have direct contact with his scammer. When the pandemic triggered loss of jobs for many workers, identity thieves filed fraudulent unemployment claims. A victim may be working or be retired and not even learn of the scam targeting them until the IRS mails them that taxes are due on benefits they never received, but which count as their income. Everyone's at risk of being a scam victim. My own social security number and other personal information has been stolen in five data breaches beginning when I was a graduate student at the University of Northern Colorado. The most recent was just last month when my information was stolen in a data breach at T-Mobile. And in between, my medical records, as well as those of 78.8 million other patients, were taken during a data breach at Anthem Blue Cross. My credit history was stolen, along with 147 million other U.S. consumers, when the Credit Reporting Bureau Experian had a data breach. According to a company specializing in protecting consumers' personal identity, one in three data breach victims in 2019 later experienced an identity crime. So you can see everyone's at risk of being a scam victim. Absolutely. I think that is one of the most important things we learn very quickly in, in doing this is that there is a scam for everyone. The scammers are so good at finding out what makes us vulnerable and then exploiting those vulnerabilities. Absolutely. So I'm sure you've heard quite a few stories while volunteering on the helpline. Are you able to share a few of those with us today? Yeah, I actually do keep records, no one's name and no one's phone number, but I keep records of their stories. 
Um, I have taught a class at my church about how to avoid scams. And I may teach a class at Ollie, which is Osher Lifelong Institute or Learning Institute. And, you know, I keep these stories because they're so interesting and they can really educate the rest of us. So this was a computer virus scam. A victim was on his computer when a pop-up warning, supposedly from Microsoft, appeared on his screen. In red flashing letters, it announced the victim's computer had been compromised and to quickly call the phone number shown. The victim was startled and did as he was told, at which point he was connected to a technician who was really a Microsoft imposter. The scammer explained the steps that would allow him access to the victim's computer, repeatedly warning, do not hang up the phone, do not turn off the computer. The victim authorized a $30 repair charge and provided his credit card number. Later, he checked with the bank and learned that $200 had been taken from his credit card account. The scammer also had plenty of opportunity to see everything stored on the victim's computer, which included his social security number, Medicare number, and driver's license number. It was now possible for the scammer to assume the identity of the victim. So after hearing his story, I informed the victim that Microsoft never contacts consumers with pop-ups and referred the victim to his state attorney general, the ID theft division of the Federal Trade Commission or FTC, the FBI, and recommended he obtain a credit report and freeze his credit with all three credit reporting bureaus. I told the victim to not use his computer until he had taken it to Best Buy or Office Depot or another local computer tech support company to rid it of malware or viruses put on by the scammer. I also provided the website to report the scam to Microsoft. Then this was a publisher's clearinghouse scam. The victim answered the phone and heard an excited voice say, congratulations, you won first prize of $2 million and a new car in publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. Oh, the victim imagined how she could provide cash gifts for her children and grandchildren, buy a house and have a fabulous retirement. There was just one necessary step she needed to do first pay her $1,750 tax on her winnings. That was such a small portion of her new riches, the victim happily agreed. The publisher's clearinghouse imposter then instructed the victim to go to a Home Depot store and buy three $500 gift cards, then drive to Target and buy a $250 gift card. The victim was also told, do not hang up the phone. As soon as you have purchased the gift cards, read me the numbers on the back. We can then authorize delivery of your new car. The driver will come with your check for $2 million. Again, congratulations. The victim waited for her new car and for more instructions, but that was the last she heard from the scammer. Not only did she not win any sweepstakes, but she had $1,750 stolen from her. I gave the victim the phone number to call to hear the recorded message 
Publishers Clearinghouse never phone sweepstakes winners. Communication is only through the mail and the winning is always free. I also referred the victim to her state attorney general and to the FTC. Now this is a moving scam. The victim phoned a moving company whose ad he found online. He paid the required deposit and the movers came and took his property. At that point, he became a hostage load victim. This is when scammers keep demanding more and more money to deliver and release the victim's property. I referred the victim to the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, to the Better Business Bureau, his state attorney general, and the FTC to file complaints. I also suggested the victim inform the fraudulent movers of the reports he filed against them in case that prompts them to work with the victim. But I told him not to hold his breath. This was a celebrity romance scam. The caller's 60-year-old sister is actually the victim of a romance scam with a Kinney Chesney imposter. The victim has received texts full of grammatical errors, so the sister believes the scammer's first language is not English. The victim, incidentally, is under the care of a psychiatrist who is likely not aware that his patient is being victimized. The victim has taken money from every source she can access and has given it to the imposter, which the sister estimates is $80,000. The victim told her daughter she intends to fly to Nashville to meet Kenny Chesney and threatened her daughter if she put up any obstacles to her plan. The victim will not listen to family members warning her that Kenny Chesney is not actually communicating with her and does not need her money. I referred the sister to the victim's state attorney general, the FBI, and the FTC, and recommended the sister communicate with the victim's psychiatrist to determine if that medical professional knows his patient is being victimized by a scammer who's already taken $80,000. The greatest pleasure I experience during my weekly shifts is when I can interrupt a scam in progress. Last week, a monolingual Spanish speaker received a friend request through Facebook. It turned out to be a scammer who spent three months texting, emailing, and once phoning the victim while grooming her for the scam. I was surprised to hear about the phone call as scammers prefer written communication. The victim informed me that the phone call had a bad connection, so they ended the call shortly after it began. I said, of course, that's what scammers usually do. The scammer was a soldier imposter pretending to be stationed in Syria. He begged the victim to write a letter to his supervisor, his general, asking he be reassigned to a position less dangerous so he could come back to the victim. The victim wrote the requested letter and was promptly contacted by the soldier imposter officer stating that her letter needed to be accompanied by $5,000 so her request could be processed. At this, the victim became suspicious and called AARP for advice. Great, working with an interpreter, I told the victim that the military never asked civilians for money to process paperwork on behalf of soldiers, that this was a scam. I complimented her on her acting on her 
suspicious inner voice before she was robbed. Thank you so much for sharing those stories and for sharing such common scams as well. These are these are pretty common examples we see. But I think a lot of times people that are victims can feel really alone in, in that victimization. Um, although we know this happens all the time. And something that AARP is trying to do is ease the burden that victims have. And so recently AARP's Fraud Watch Network teamed up with the Volunteers of America to launch a support group called REST. And I know you've been involved in REST. Can you tell me a little bit about who REST is for? REST stands for Resilience, Strength, and Time. Three elements that help fraud victims recover emotionally following experiences with scammers. As they remember what was done to them, victims often feel moral distress. They're heartbroken, feel ashamed, guilty, sad, frustrated, humiliated, or they may feel furious, betrayed, and ready to exact revenge. Either way, they may feel so alone that there's no one to confide in. They may fear that their friends and family will judge them as stupid for falling for the scam. These people are really suffering. They need to share their feelings with peers similarly victimized who understand how sophisticated and well-trained scammers are today and how easy it is to believe a stranger's words when you think they're engaging in sincere communication with you. A February 2020 article in U.S. Today titled Anxiety, Depression, and PTSD, The Hidden Epidemic of Daddy Breaches and Cyber Crimes, discusses the emotional fallout from a scam. Many victims struggled to accept how someone they thought they had a relationship with could voluntarily work at a job where they daily scam people out of their hard-earned money. REST, Pierce Discussion Groups, can provide emotional support for victims of fraud and their caregivers or loved ones. Sessions are free, confidential, and one hour in length. Participants register in advance at www.aarp.org slash fraud support. Thank you so much for sharing information about how the program works, who it's for, and also how to register. We will have a link to the registration page in the show notes as well. Jean, what has your experience been volunteering for the REST program so far? Well, following my nine hours of training, I led or co-led three small groups while returning calls to the Fraud Watch Network. I had previously spoken to one of my participants, so I knew her story. She was very articulate while sharing it in the rest session. And it occurred to me that this participant was already moving past some of her initial pain from the scam. She was illustrating the time part of the rest acronym. If you're supported, you can benefit from time. But victims who don't find support may continue to relive the scam experience every day. Another participant attended two of my rest sessions, which is perfectly fine. Participants can attend as often as they'd like. 
The sessions that I've held have been rewarding, but I wish that more potential participants knew about them. I know there's been a lot of discussion about for people that are participating, there there truly is a growth that we can see. We can see how participants are able to move past their experiences a little better with that support. What impact overall do you see the REST program having? Well, to best answer that, let me tell you feedback from one participant. She wrote, this meeting was so cathartic and amazing. My facilitators were fabulous and I learned so much. I was allowed to express my raw emotion without judgment. Seriously, cathartic. I had reservations, but it really helped to lower my tension and anxiety so I could be right there in the moment and open to sharing. Keep it up and get the message out. So you can see the impact a peer support group can have on a victim, one who was previously depressed and felt isolated from her friends and family. And isolation, the consequences can be truly devastating for folks. So it's it's really wonderful that you are able to be a part of this program that is providing this support and this safe space for people to share their experiences with frauds and scams. One thing that we we discuss a lot on the Fraud Watch Network is the stigma around being a victim. A lot of times we have victims, I don't know how much you hear this, but I hear it all the time on the phone with victims. They'll say, I'm so stupid. I cannot believe that I fell for this scam. How could I be so dumb? Every single time I tell them, look, I have heard about a hundred calls in the past year that are similar to this exact scam. It's not just you. You're not alone in this. It's not 10,000 people that are victims of the same scam. You're not all stupid. That's not possible. So how can we continue to end this stigma that victims feel and that kind of is perpetrated a lot of times by media and other sources around being the victim of a fraud or scam? I say don't feel superior to a victim. The person is not stupid, naive, or gullible, though in some instances, the victim's behavior is an early sign of mild cognitive impairment that should be brought to the attention of medical specialists. In the case of the celebrity imposter scam, the victim had a diagnosed mental health issue, so was especially vulnerable. But I tell romance scam victims that my intelligent friend was almost robbed after two months of being groomed by a romance scammer. And I tell grandparents scam victims that my own intelligent mother was saved in the nick of time from sending a scammer thousands of dollars via Western Union. My mother's love of her grandson and fear about his supposed arrest overruled her suspicion. In my conversations, I make it a point to say, you were robbed by someone lying to you or the scammer was heartless as he took advantage of your generosity and concern. I tell all victims who were lied to that it is not a character flaw to believe the words of someone whom you feel you're having a sincere communication with. It's also not a character flaw to be generous with someone you care about who's in need, but we can take care of ourselves by learning about scams so that we recognize a script when it's delivered to us by a scammer. Today's scammers are well-trained call centers where they're given names of people to rob and are supervised by people competent in English. 
Some deceivers establish a relationship with victims that lasts several months. Fraud is big business. If you're a member of AARP, you receive publications, the bulletin and the magazine that discuss different specific scams in every issue. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your experiences both on the Fraud Watch Network helpline and with the REST program. Um, I hope this can do a lot to get the word out about REST as well. Do you have anything else to add before we wrap up today? (laughs) Yeah, just a little piece of advice. Don't believe what you read on Facebook. You may receive a message from who you think is your friend saying they qualified for a lucrative government grant and received $100,000 just by following all instructions texted by a representative. They add, and you can too, just contact this guy and do everything he texts you. That message is not from your friend. It's from a bad guy who hacks into people's Facebook accounts, obtains their contact list, and pretends to be that person so they can rob everyone the person is friends with. If you're surprised by what you read on Facebook, stop communicating through that social media. Call the friend, text them directly, or talk to them face-to-face to ask about their surprising post. They'll probably be a surprise to learn about this attempt to take your money as you were. Absolutely. That is such a good piece of advice. Thank you so much for sharing. We have been seeing tons of those scams originating on Facebook and people are completely unaware that it's not actually their friend reaching out to them. So that is a huge red flag if you're receiving messages from someone that you think is your friend, but all of a sudden they're asking for money or personal information, cut off communication, talk to that friend right away on a different platform and stay scam safe. Jean, again, thank you so much for being here today and everyone else. We will see you next week. If you like what you've been hearing today, please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your podcasts.